back, my friend, to the show yes. that never ends. Part two. Part two of the never-ending Van Halen. And there will be no part three. No, there's not going to be a part three. No, all due respect to Gary Sharon. There uh, is no respect for Gary no. Sharon uh, on this podcast. I, I'm not going to lie. We are, uh, I shall say, extremely biased against Mr. Sharon. I feel bad in some ways, but on the other hand, they were just, they were trying to hit it big a third time. And I was thinking about like how many bands out there were able to replace a lead singer, have the kind of success that they did with David Lee Roth, Diamond David Lee Roth. Diamond Davis. And, and, and go on to produce like four number one albums. And I mean, they just, and they try to, they try to do it again. And the writer was on the wall at that, at that time. And they should have known that it was on the wall at that time. Um, but they tried to do it again. But, you know, the fact that they did it once and did it successfully as they did with Hagar. And yes, the, the, the podcast today is on Van Hagar. Um, is amazing. It really is amazing that they were able to do it. And it's almost two separate bands, but still some of the same elements you can find in both, for sure. This is one I know that Ski has been looking forward to for quite some time. To be able to... to, yes. to not only go out, go with Diamond Dave, but to have a a a separate entire pod dedicated solely to and really only four records that yeah. Van Hagar has. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and if you think about it like that, uh, it really is quite astounding the the volume of hits and and uh, that they did generate. Um, and. and Let's be honest, Ski, you are way more knowledgeable about uh, both Van Halen and Van Hagar than I could ever hope to be. So, um, you know, did you know, though, and did our <laughs> readers know that after David Lee Roth left Van Halen, that Sammy Hagar was not the first choice? Yeah, I think replacement we, front person. I think we read the same tidbits today. And the one that I had known about Patty Smythe before. Uh, Patty Smythe. I did not know about Patty Smythe. I had known that Scandal. Yeah, they were, yeah, Patty Smythe, uh, Scandal featuring Patty Smythe, the warrior, I am the warrior. By the way, Which sidebar, Patty Smythe, superior to Patty Smith, it's a hot take, I get to stand by it, Patty Smythe, anyway, go on. This is another feather in Patty Smythe's cap that she was invited to join Van Halen. Wow. Uh, no, Patty Smith. Okay, we'll have that conversation some other time then. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> I said it was a hot take. Hot take. The one that I ha was not aware of, and by the way, I think that would have been fascinating, like the Van Halen sound with uh, a lead singer with the kind of chops that Patty Smythe does have, and I'm not denying that. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been fascinating. The one that kind of confused me and kind of taken aback by was daryl hall apparently. i'm just seeing this right now <laughs> so holy cow i had never heard that one before i had known that they had talked about after diamond dave left well maybe we'll bring in like a series of singers you know for an mm. album like they'll bring in patty Smythe, and i think there was even talk that they'd like to bring in phil collins for a van halen track um i had never heard Daryl Hall being presented as an option and that has to be at night where Eddie was just blitzed out of his mind and he went over to Alex and said you know what would be awesome <laughs> and it's just I just don't know how that Philly soul white 
boy soul sound you know fits in van halen but there you go i don't know i mean <laughs> one of the best concerts i've one of the best sets i should say one of the best sets i've ever seen at any festival was when i saw a, a midnight set at bonnaroo in 2020 uh 2010 excuse me 2010 bonnaroo a midnight set that was daryl hall and chromio and yeah. daryl hall and chromio was was absolutely spectacular um as a as a pairing uh, they did do a live at Daryl's house with Chromio, and I think that that's what initiated it in the first place. Um, it, for those who don't know, Live at Daryl's house is a series of concerts that Daryl Hall has produced um, at a uh, rock club kind of, that I've actually been inside um, in upstate New York. Uh, it is about two hours north of hour and a half, hour and a half north of New York City, off the New York State Thruway, and it, it's an actual. It looks like a roadhouse, to be honest. So when yeah. we say live at Daryl's house, it's not like a Daryl's living room. It's like it's Daryl's roadhouse, but he owns it. And um, anyway, they do a lot of it's been a, it's an interesting series with a lot of quirky guests that, you know, you wouldn't pair Daryl Hall up with. So with that knowledge, you know, it is intriguing to consider um, Daryl Hall as the lead singer of Van Halen. Because, I mean, at that point in 1985, like where, what was, was Hollow Notes had, was not, had already peaked, right? I mean, like, I don't think, I, I know it sounds weird, but like, I don't think they had much in the late 80s if they were even doing anything together at all as like Hollow Notes. And this is not a Hollow Notes pod, but it's turning into one. I <laughs> know. I don't know. I think, I thought, I think they still had some hits left in them by. 85. I mean, they were, you know, they're on the We Are the World song. And um, I just feel like there's, you know, there are a couple more albums still after the fact before they kind of petered out by the late 80s, early 90s. But I don't know. I, I, we digress. We're digressing. I mean, we're definitely um, digressing. I could definitely do a pod on, on Hall and Notes for sure. But so, but it is sort of fascinating that like the Van Halen brothers, um, you know, they had this success with Diamond Dave. Um, they switched gears. We're going in a different direction. And there's a, you know, I mean, you can ask Diamond Dave, you'll get one take and the Van Halen brothers, another take of what actually led to their split. You know, Eddie was bringing more keys on the album, uh, 1984. Uh, Diamond Dave was, you know, dipping his toes into, um, you know, uh, Sinatra-like uh, cover songs, um, getting into film and acting. And Just a Gigolo is a Louis Prima song. So there you go. And... Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can go back and forth. But what was so amazing about Hagar is just the fact that he did, he did have a solo career. I mean, he broke through with the band Montrose um, and then had his own solo career featuring, you know, songs like I Can't Drive 55. And it was just, it, it's, it's hard to think. Like, speaking of bands that were able to replicate their success with a second lead singer. It's hard to think of like successful solo singers that have gone back to a band um, and had the kind of success that Van Hagar did. So it's just a lot of precedent set by, you know, that era of the band. And the other thought that I kept coming back to in, in building off of the, the part we did on Van Halen, like those first four Van Halen albums are iconic and sacrosanct. And but it, there, I think part of, you know, the issue that some early Van Halen fans have with Van Hagar 
is a bit unfair and goes back to that dynamic where we touched on this in numerous pods, even back to the one on Duran Duran, that 80s music versus the 70s and parts of the 90s is not deemed credible. And they certainly had a different sound. It was more arena friendly. It was more poppy. They brought in more synths and keyboards to the Van Hagar it's sound. It's the synth, you know, this yeah. an anti-synth world. And well, and, but I, I do, th- and I, yes, I agree. And it's also, I think the sound was more polished um, and more arena friendly, even though Van Halen was an arena band, even, you know, off of those first four albums. So I love the first four Van Halen records. I think they stand the test of time. Uh, but I think some of the criticism of Van Hagar is unfair. And that's partly why I wanted to do uh, this pod is to go to bat, you know, for those songs. Um, because I do think they can be unfairly dismissed because of the era they came out of. And then, you know, their late, last two albums were right up against uh, the grunge era and the alternative rock scene. I'm going to get into that. So, yeah. And that. so I think that's it's quite fascinating that they they run up against both like the, the, the 70s, the, the more authentic, supposedly authentic classic rock sound, and then the 90s sound, which was sort of a reflection of uh, that 70s era. Um, and it's sort of a, 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 a 180 from the excess of the 80s, supposedly. But so they both go up against both of those eras and they still found tremendous success. It's just critically, I think those songs get you know overlooked um, and unfortunately so. Well, let me ask you a question, uh, and this is not related to anything that you just pontificated on, but I think it's important. Can you hit the high notes in I, I Can't Drive 55? I can drive 55! <laughs> no, I cannot. No, you uh, cannot. Clearly. 55! <laughs> it's very hard. There is a podcast that uh, my wife and I used to listen to, which was the uh, the fantasy football fantasy footballers podcast, which is about fantasy football. But they had this amazing drop every time they they used every time they said the word fifty five, they would get the vocalization worth of Hagar without anything else because because everything in that solo number everything else drops out of of the track of the mix and it's just hagar going so we have to love give, it we have to give we have to give sammy hagar some credit um even if you don't want to you kind of have to they he was part of a trailblazing thing with this second act of van Halen. yeah um you know he he does he did have this pliable, plasticky voice. He did look like Rolf the dog a little bit and like a Muppet. And he still kind of looks like Smash Mouth is slightly better looking tequila swilling older brother. Like he's, he's not, wow. he's, he doesn't look like Diamond Dave, right? Like he looks like, you know, some guy that feeds his extra taco to a dog on the beach. Like, and I don't mean that necessarily. It sounds bad. I guess it sounds bad. But like, he just, pretty bad. <laughs> but he's not, like, no matter how good no. he is at what he does, he's not Diamond Dave. He's not a front man. No. He's not, he's not going to be leaping off of an amp doing a, doing a, a half split midair and then landing on his feet, grabbing the microphone and, and yelling, Dave TV. Like, that's not, Sammy Hagar, and you're never anyone that wanted that was going to be disappointed. However, you look at the other choices that Eddie was apparently going with, the band was going to change direction. And, yeah, totally. And, I agree. and the sound of the band also changed direction. And it, it's 
absolutely fascinating to think about what Patty Smythe or Daryl Hall would have done with it. Mm. But the truth of the matter is, is that they went to synth. They went a synth direction. I went back and listened to 5150. I went back and listened to OU812. You know, those two records are the second half of the 80s, and they reflect where the band was going with the synth intro to jump. You know, like, it's exactly where you, where they were signaling they wanted to head. And yeah. Eddie Van Halen wanted hit records. You know, the Warner Brothers president wants a hit record. You know, I'm looking right here at this quote on Wikipedia that when they were playing Why Can't This Be Love off of 5150, that, like, the president of Warner Brothers came in and said, I smell money. Yeah. Like it fit, it fit the era. It fit the era. To yeah. See. And so yeah. It, it worked, you know, and you want to stay at the top of the charts. You want to sell out arenas. You want to sell out stadiums. You, you know, you want to be successful. And there's no doubt about whether Van Halen was, you know, success driven. You know, they did it. They did arguably better with better in the 80s than at any other point in their career. In terms of chart success. And in terms of chart success, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they like built up a following around their, you know, those first four albums. Um, but I, I agree with you. I mean, Diamond Dave is just that. Diamond Dave. He's a showman of the first order. He's a front man of the first order. Uh, but Sammy Hagar has the more traditional hard rock vocals. I mean, he has chops too. Um, and they're more in line with what you would find from a traditional hard rock front man. Yeah. And, you know, his range is just insane. Um, it's high. It's, to, it's so high. It's high. Know? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think David Lee Roth is a better range, but anyway, like, or a, a uh, wider range. It's a wider range. It's, it's just, it's so hard for me to compare them as vocalists because, and then we touched on this in the Van Halen podcast is because, you know, Diamond Dave wasn't, you know, a, a traditional hard rock singer of, you know, the mold that Hagar is. I mean, in some ways he wasn't constrained by rules and was constrained by, yeah. you know, um, limitation. He could, just, he could do whatever he wanted and it, it, for, it just worked and it fit. And Hagar was more like, yeah, that just traditional hard rock vocalist is like, this is what you're going to get. I mean, this is what you're going to get and it's going to knock your socks off. And it did more often than not. And he could also do a ballad, um, just as well, uh, you know, in, in the, the, the hard rock era of, you know, you, you go for a ballad to get a hit too. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think he, it's two different bands with, you know, the core elements of Michael Anthony on bass and the Van Halen brothers on drums and guitar. And Eddie's playing, guitar playing is still iconic, even though, you know, they bring in more synths, particularly on, you know, 5115 and OU812. Um, but you know, his guitar playing is still out of this world and, sure. um, it's, it, it, it's, it, you find it on every song and every one of those Van Hagar albums. And it's just a shame that, yeah, we're not going to hear those songs again. Not, I mean, we had a taste of the Diamond Dave era, um, you know, the most recent tours, um, with Wolfgang Van Halen on bass. Um, uh, but we're not going to hear the Van Hagar songs. It's just, you're, you're not, you know, and I think. Sammy plays them in his band, The Circle, with Michael Anthony on bass. Um, but so yeah, weird. that last tour that he, they so did, weird. the Van Halen brothers in like 03, 04, where, where they still hated each other. And they did it, I'm sure, because management was like, look, you're not bringing in another Gary Sharon to go on tour. You got to bring in Diamond Dave or Sammy. 
They still hated Day at the time, so they bring in Sammy for a tour, but they hated each other. Um, and so Man, it's just I, a shame. Yeah. I wish, I mean, if there's one thing I wish I could have been the fly on the wall, would have been in, in the conference room at whatever, uh, whenever there was a meeting between Van Halen's management and Van Halen's agents. I, that alone, I would just die to be like, give yeah. me, give me one, give me one ninety-minute recording of raw conversations about like, like how they were gonna, like what deflections management was doing and who they were covering for. How, like, that's for me. That's like an inside baseball. Like, that would be absolutely fascinating to like find out like how it broke down and like what it would, like what it would, what what the conditions were. That be like, all right, well, this tour can get booked based on this. But if we don't have this, then what do we do here? Like those right. machinations based on my job description, uh, like, wow, like, holy cow. I would love to know what that was like. Love to. Yeah. Yeah. Boys, do you want to play arenas or do you want to play theaters and clubs? You know, so those, you're, you have some options here. You got some um, options. You got yeah. some options. Can, can you get, can you get Daryl Hall on a moment's notice to cover yeah, more? Right. Yeah. <laughs> We probably could have. All right, so why don't you go yeah, first? Because let's jump this, in. Yeah, this is this is you. This is you time. Go for it, homie. Yeah, I mean, so you know, they had the success of 1984, and which was otherworldly. Even though, and I say that as I consistently praise the first four albums, but it was you know they had a number one hit with Jump. They reached an entirely new audience, um, you know, with Panama and Jump on MTV, um, and so they're in, are they in, in the, the the mainstream. Of even you know, the pop scene at that at that time, and so Dammy Dave leads to bring in Van Hagar to record Fifty One Fifty, which is really one of their you know out of the entire catalog. Um, I don't put it next to those first four, but it's still you know one of their best and probably the best with uh, Sammy Hagar all around. You're saying Fifty um, One Fifty? You're going? I'll take Fifty One. On... I'll go Fifty One Fifty mm. over OU Eight One Two and over for Unlawful uh, Carnal Knowledge, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed revisiting. And getting ready for this podcast, and they mm-hmm. even gave Balance a listen, which I hadn't done in years. Um, God bless but, you. But fifty-one fifty has all those elements that we talked about: the sense, um, you know, heavy, uh, the more pop-friendly uh, songs, more polished uh, production. But my the first one that I picked, and my first song, and probably my favorite Van Hagar song, is "Best of Both Worlds." Uh, off of uh, 5150 and yes. so yes and, yes and i'm gonna yes. go with that and look i mean ah, and i talked I, I think I, I think i talked about this like on the van halen pod too that what gets overlooked is eddie van halen's rhythm guitar and some of his just simple riffs and just starts off with a simple guitar riff and builds and builds and builds to this chorus which it takes Michael Anthony's backing vocals. You think Sammy can go high? Michael Anthony somehow is able to go high too. And they just go back. And, they, and the great shot of them live is seeing them sing this song together off of one mic. And best of both worlds. And so it's, it's those chops that Sammy brought to the table, those hard rock chops. Um, that song builds and builds and builds and then just soars uh, into the stratosphere, you know, with those two going... Uh, back and forth the opening riff kind of reminds me a little bit of you know the opening riff of dance the night away which is one of my picks from yeah uh, van halen yeah. um with you on that and the, the the constant in 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 that era and in this era is eddie van halen you know on guitar and he just a blistering guitar solo just you know one that you 
you know, is, is right up there with, with some of his best. Um, so best of both worlds. And I drives me bonkers thinking I'll never see them do that live. Or I never saw them uh, do that song, song live. It would have knocked my socks off and, um, yeah, it's the best of the Van Hagar era. Well, I'll tell you, that is a, that is an awesome, strong pick. It is actually was on the top of the list that I put together. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to take it or not. Um, but that was, that was right up there for me too. I, my list, yeah. of, my list of Van Hagar songs to pick from is going to be admittedly shorter probably than your list. Cause I feel like you're more into it. I will get into what I, what I think about this, but you know, I gotta tell you, like, listen, you know, fifty-one fifty is is really, really solid. I yeah, mean, it I, is. I, you know, yeah. it, it's a re- it, it's a really, really solid record. It's another short record, which I know we talked about on the Van Halen cast. Um, you know, I love the concept of this is probably the first song on the second side because it's you know song number six on the tracks. Um, probably, not ha- yeah. Not having had a copy, but like that's that's it. Just feels like you know that kind of lead into side two that makes you want to listen to the rest of it. Um, you know, it's got the third most frequent number of plays on Spotify on the, of this record. So clearly you're not the only one that thinks it rocks pretty hard. And yeah. I seem to have remembered like the, the, the chorus, there's something about that chorus and the way that like Hager just goes like best of, both right like he like drags it out right like but like that is very actually oh solid point yeah but it's emblematic and it's emblematic of van of sammy hager's vocal stylings for this version of van halen like he tends to do that for a lot of that's that's his thing is to like take these deliberate stops between hitting the notes and the thing that hagar we talked about it a bit but like he really hits the notes right like you have to like his tone because it's a little it it sounds almost deliberately strained but like 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 he's working to do it you know like like maybe he's sitting on the toilet like trying to reach for the notes or something but like he gets them and he gets them in perfect pitch so you know like Again, like, you know, I feel like I'm, I'll probably be doing a lot of damning with faint praise on this particular pod um, for, for Hagar, because, like, I'm not, like, a super fan like Mr. Ski over here, but Best of Both Worlds is really dope. And it really does indicate, like, it, you can draw a line from that, and, and it rocks. And it, it's it, that's the thing, a yeah. great riff, and it rocks. It's not synthy, so it's kind of... What I think is fascinating about this era of Van Halen is I truly will always wonder, and I won't know the answer, how many of these songs, and maybe we'll get to one and maybe we won't, how many of these songs were written way earlier by Eddie and Alex and just wound up being recorded after they added Sammy to the band? You know, or maybe there were earlier demo yeah, versions. I don't know. That, like, yeah, right, I don't maybe, know. Yeah. The reverse, maybe Best of Both Worlds have been kicking around for 10 years. And and Dave did it one way and it didn't make Eddie's cut. And now it's here, you know, because uh, uh, correctly, if I'm wrong, that's not a synth heavy thing. That's not like one of these like big hit ballads. I smell money songs that are, that are scattered throughout three of these four Van Hagen records. That's not one. that's not best of both worlds. This is a, that's a rock song. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a solid rocker too. And I think like, you know, in talking so much about the synths and the keyboards, we can't overlook that, especially with Eddie's guitar playing on this song in particular. Look, I mean, there's still blistering 
rock songs. And I'm not, I understand where you're coming from on, you know, Hagar's vocal. I'm, to me, it sounds more, it, to me, it just sounds like, you know, a, a classic throwback, you know, rock, vo hard rock vocal. And so it's, it's very much in that uh, style and genre. And so it fits and it, it works. Oh. And it, yeah, like you said, it hits all the right notes. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, best of both worlds for me is the one song that I just wish I could have seen uh, live and yeah, just, just never got the chance to do so. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've never seen either, you know, I've never seen anyone affiliated with this band. You know, <laughs> I haven't seen like, you know, Michael Anthony's jazz solo project. Like, I haven't seen any of this, you know, like, I just made that up, obviously. But like, I've never like, seen I've not seen, you know, David Lee Roth at the Hard Rock in Atlantic City or something. Like, I've seen none of it, you know. So, so yeah. for me, you know, and, and I for me it feels like i missed the best opportunity to see it and there, you know there was always drama around the band um you know which you know at, at what point i mean how many times did it did, was it a border was it like the gossip or why they broke or how many times did it just veer off into jesus i can't even keep up with this anymore like what like why should i still care you know um yeah it's it's tough i mean i can't lie i did not know first thing about who sammy hagar was beforehand there are some you know it's a hard rock oh my god montrose is great like i don't know what the hell you're talking about like you know like right. so, you know when i was like 11 and dave diamond dave left and then ran off to go like you know like like I, it's is dead is no but i was 11 you know like god bless you for sticking with me. <laughs> you know uh, much funny. later in life where i thought van hager as a category was like one of the funniest things i've ever heard um, yeah and that's not to say that i don't like me so here because i had a cassette tape of four unlawful carnal now i got the illustrious columbia house records and yes. One good. Of, and, good on was, you. <laughs> I mean, I, and I was happy um, because because I love I, I I love that record. I think I listened to the crap out of that record. It was 1991. Is when this is the records. Okay, so just in keeps you keeping yep. track. That in 1986, OU812 comes out in 1988, and For yep. Unlawful Carnal Knowledge comes out in. And you know, for reference, there was the live album, live right here, right now. I'm not counting, but that did come out in 1980. Um, if we're being completist, you know, we should mention that that was probably very successful as a double album bloated thing. And 1995 is balanced, so that that is the Hagar catalog, yeah. you know, catalog, right? Um, and I could be incorrect. I actually don't know if the live is only with a Van Hagar tour and not, and not like a compilation of previous live recordings that might include Dave. I'm assuming it's Hagar it, that it, cause it was released, but that anyway, the point, a point about, um, about FU is that it is, it is absolutely. I, I think I've album more than anything else. Not my favorite one from this era. My favorite song from this era is I think what, Enough was ever. Ski will correct me if I'm wrong. 
uh, for sure. That's what we do here. Um, seventh <laughs> song off of OU812. And it is Finish What You Started. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if that's just an album track that just got put on radio. And it's, and this is, to me, this is, this has elements of like tracks on Van Halen 1. And it kind of, the, the play with Sammy's vocals is actually, it's kind of seductive in a very mm-hmm. hard rocky kind of way. Um, it, there's, it, 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 there's a lick and there's that Michael Anthony freaking harmony, man. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this song so great. So good. Yeah. It, is that Michael Anthony comes in and does that backup stuff that he did with Diamond Dave and he, that, that and Hagar song, my favorite one out of all of all of the Van Hagar all over the place. I think it's the addictive song. I think it's the song that like it's the song I thought of first. As much as I think the world was on the top of my actual list when I'm writing them down, it's the first one where I was like, "Well, finish what you started," but then next, you know. So uh, since you didn't take it, I'm gonna get my uh, second overall pick, and I'm gonna take. I think that's a great pick and it was a single off of that album and a great video uh, of the band and you know you you got me thinking about it because I I had always thought of it and I still think of it as one of their more traditional bluesy songs it just has that bluesy Mm -hmm. feel to it and you Mm -hmm. imagine them playing it in a small club and slowing it down um just or on the beach like, feeding like dogs yeah. on the beach their tacos or something, or something. like that yeah. right tacos and you know board shorts and uh aloha shirts Cabo um, Wabba tequila <laughs> which we haven't talked about yet we'll get into it it's delicious um <laughs> so but i crystal I love skull said, it well yeah i mean but i love what you said about it, it does harken back to some of those early van halen records um even though it does like it, you know? I've said it a few times now, but that so the production on OU812 and the other Van Hagar albums is so polished and clean. But they're it's yeah, some of those early Van Halen albums. What was fun about them is just playing around with uh different rhythms and Dance the Night Away is just a great example of that. Of you know, writing a song that's a little bit outside of the box and finish what you started is up there too, in that same kind of vein. and it was a big MTV hit for them. And, and that's um, something else we need to touch on is I mean, they had just a slew of top videos, um, you know, to their credit from that era. And that fueled, you know, some of their uh, second part of their career uh, heyday with, with Hagar on vocals. Yeah. They, they built, I mean, they really built off of the TV success of 1984. Um, and, and, and it, it's, you know, Quite honestly, it feels like. I mean, do you think it was calculated? Do you think that they wrote? I mean, do you think? I'm, 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 I mean this not as an insult either. Like Eddie just sat around and be like, okay, can I? What kind of licks can I write? How much can I like? You know, you know, put in front of the camera. While I stick my tongue out and do a guitar solo. Now there's somebody less charismatic who's on the microphone. Not, not a worse singer. Not you know that. That's very subjective, but like. You know, he, he, you know, you know, he didn't have front. He wasn't the same kind of front man in terms of antics, and I think that Eddie yeah. liked that. Daryl Hall wouldn't have had antics. You know, 
Nick wouldn't have. You know, like. Well, and, and we we, should, we could do a whole separate pod, and I mentioned this on the Van Halen pod about, you know, the, the Van Halen brothers' problem with lead singers. And maybe that is part of it, is that at some point, you know, Hagar either didn't like the direction they were going in, I got kind of tired of, like, all this emphasis on developing, you know, greatest hits albums and not focusing on recording, you know, new music and how much they were going to include from, you know, the Diamond Dave era. Um, but... I do, in terms of like music videos, you know, the fact that they had so much success before, you know, music videos became a thing that you just had to do. I mean, some of the, the videos they have from those early albums, I mean, there's kind of like, you know, the, the early Queen videos. I mean, they're almost just like an afterthought. They're, you know, it was a promotional item, but there wasn't an MTV to play them 24 hours a day. Right, I mean, it absolutely um, was an afterthought. Yeah. Think about like when, I mean, like, and I think just that's the nature of, of when the album, you know what I mean? Totally. If the MTV drops in 1981, the soonest that they could probably have a, a video that they would have cared about would have been 1982. And if that is correct, Diver Down is 82. I mean, other than their their covers, it's not really there. I know I no. yeah, we Diver touched Down on that a, a, yeah. a bit, but I I mean, overall, you know, you, you can't compare it to I mean, you know, the 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 ones you can't I mean, warning. I mean, fair warning's the fourth of your holy trinity of four, um, which I know is an from a from you know trinity is three i know that folks um but anyway for diver down is not you know you've got the two you've got the two covers but like any other really big hits other than pretty oh pretty woman and dancing street from diver down and uh, maybe maybe those were the video hits like i'm just trying to like figure like what they were focused on i think that's you know right I mean? no I, I think that's right i mean i think there's still like like there's a great video of unchained um uh, off of uh, fair warning. Um, you know, it's a, it's a live video. I think it was even taken at in at the Oakland Coliseum. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly that was a performance based video, and it was I think promoted after the fact. Like when MTV was like, "Guys, give us something to play." Well, here, how about this, right? And the same thing with the Diver Down songs. I'm sure I know they did a Pretty Woman uh, video uh, yeah. for that, and. Yeah, and so that got some airplay, but yeah, 1984 was the first one where it become clear that this was, this is the future, baby, and you got to get on board or you know step aside, and you can complain all you want about it, as Daryl Hall and John O's famously did once at a press conference, and Madonna was like, "You guys are nuts," which I loved. It's, <laughs> it's such a great take. Um, I grew up listening to songs on the radio. I didn't mean to be a video star. Well, fellas, the you know the era had changed, and Van Hagar embraced that and said, "You know what? Yes. We're gonna we're gonna run with this." And uh, I love the fact that they did that. Um, so yeah, I, just videos was a huge outlet for for them uh, across the board. All four of those Van Hagar albums. Where do you go next, man? I mean, you know, so I, yeah, I don't know if we oh should go gosh. into it. If we should talk about like their ballads, or if that's where you're going. Well, I, I hand I hand the floor back to you. Yeah, no, I, God, the second one was really hard, and I gave it so much thought, and so I definitely have some that just missed, um, you know, that I really wanted to pick. But ultimately, if you look at you know the airplay on my phone and what I constantly go back to 
it is one of their ballads. It is one of their power ballads. It is a song that features a lot of synth, synth heavy sound. Um, and it's the preceding single to finish what you started from. Oh, there yeah, you one, go. Two. And it's when it's love. And it's for all of those reasons, because I just love that synth opening to it, that poppy, you know, ballady synth opening. Um, and Eddie was so good at, com and in the song overall, he was so good at combining that heavy synth sound, um, but also that, that rhythm guitar, you know, that I keep talking about and combining the two elements uh, there. Um, and then of course, like, you know, you can't, you just can't do Van Halen and Van Hagar without Michael Anthony. Um, I think, you know, you've done it on every song that you pick and I've done it on every song you pick, but how do I know when it's love? And just his voice combined with Sammy's there is it, just perfect. And then, you know, uh, you, you can't go wrong with like, uh, I'm not gonna be able to reach it, but they have some, ah, and then Sammy goes, oh, can you you know, it just, it just goes to the, to the root of the stratosphere and just goes out of this world. And it's um, incredible, you know, just incredible. And then Eddie's guitar solo on it is restrained. It's not as like guitar hero-y, but it just blends in perfectly with the synths and the rhythm guitar. Um, and and the last thing I'll just say is like, you know, look, you, any song that has a a Hey Jude, na 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 uh, outro uh, is fine by me. So uh, when it's love. And then I just, I love the video too. It's like, hey guys, let's film a video in a bar. Hey Sammy, do you have like a black t-shirt and a red suit? I got it. Okay, let's start filming, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> so I love, I love the video too. I love the video. I think it's an awesome pick. If you pick a bat. This is the only one. To me, it's the only one to take. Um, it, I was listening to it today, and I was like, you know what? Freaking what it's love, man. Like, like, yeah. I, like I didn't want to add it to my list. It's on my list of possibilities. It feels It feels like it's I, feel like it's, I feel like you're spot on with this choice, and it's also emblematic of this era. They're big, mm -hmm. right? You know, you have, I mean, you know, not going to take some of these other ones, but why can't you love and love walks in? But you know, when you know, are you sensing a theme? Yeah, these ballads sell, man. Like they, they sell, they sell, they sell singles, and they're good and they're welcome. And especially when you've got that again, the Michael Anthony, man, they they crush it oh. on this one, they crush yeah. it on when it's love. Like if you're go there and I, it was literally i was saying to myself you know like man if you're gonna go there if you're gonna play a van halen or van hagar either one like how is this not the one you do like it, it's like i don't know is that is solid that david lee roth did i don't think it is with the band can you think i of just one? they did I can't think of, you know, I just don't think they recorded ballads in the same, you know, kind of way. I mean, they're just yeah. kind of goofy. If they did anything that was slowed down, it's just kind of goofy, you know, Ice Cream Man kind of songs. Um, right. But, you know, I, I don't think so. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to dismiss the Van Hagar ballads. Like, I like Why Can't This Be Love. I like... Um, uh, love walks in and even on balance you know can't stop loving you is probably their most ballady ballady soft pop rocky 
you know, AOR radio 70s family friendly song, you know, it's it's fine. But the one that I keep coming back to is, um, you know, when it's love. And so that to me just hits all the right uh, chords. Um, Literally, it checks all, all the, right the boxes. Chords. It does. I mean, it's, it is, all the right it's perfect. It's perfect. It's but I, you know, Chuck, I think it was Chuck Klosterman that did like a list. He, he just chronicled the best Van Halen songs. And he went, he, he did every album. He included Van Halen 3. Um, wow. I included God All Diver him. Down. And I think his point, his pick for the worst Van Halen song ever was Why Can't This Be Love, which mm-hmm. I completely disagree with. But his point was, I think, if I'm doing this correctly, that it suggested, you know, that Van Hagar um, was going to have an emphasis on um, ballads and emphasis on keys and synths, uh, which it in some ways did. But if they had led off with the first song off 5150, Good Enough, which is more of a full throttle rocker, the perception of Van Hagar could have been completely different. Um, so I understand where he's coming from on that, but ultimately I, I, I couldn't agree disagree more why can't this be love is a fine song with that synth bass line to it um yeah but my favorite of the ballads right i mean yeah i'm fine with it when it's love i'd take when it's love same no i would too i would too um but but i i i don't know man like split off for a balance i just i'm not uh, you know i i get klosterman's point on that especially if you're going back to like crazy hard rockness of like Van Halen one and two, you know, for him is like, like the, like the foundation of rock and roll almost, you know, is, is is Van Halen one and two. Cause I've read all of Klosterman's books um, and, or I shouldn't say all, but I've read a lot of them back when I had free time to do so. Um, And, (laughs) you know, and I, I I love his opinions completely. Um, you know, so, you know, all due respect, Chuck, and we'd love to have you. Um, Please. You know, yeah, let's tag him for this one. I mean, yeah, let's tag <laughs> him. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Uh, you busy? Hey. Um, but, um, no, I think I think he would, I don't think he would like any ballad uh, by Halen. I can't go there, but I also was, you know, I think you and I, are, I mean, you and I are the same age. Like, you know, we heard this stuff on the radio, too. Like, like. Mm-hmm. You don't like. I never bought fifty one fifty. I never bought OU eight one two. But I know the Van Hager ballads because they were played. You know, yeah. like they broke through. Like even if I didn't see a video for them, and I, you know, I remember the videos with Diamond Day, and I don't remember. Much of, I don't remember much of the videos before I'm off of carnal knowledge. I mean, those videos I remember. You know, for that, sure. Oh, those were iconic. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. You know, obviously, you know. You look at right now, right now, you know, which yeah. I'm not gonna pick for I his reasons on the planet, but like, you know, just nobody did anyone care that now sold out. Like, I don't really cared, you know, like, I don't think that that was a big insult because I think if you were insulted by that, you jumped off the you jumped off the minute they signed Hagar in the first place, you know. I, I think you hit, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, like if they're going to bring in Van Hagar and the, the, the intent was then clear, like we're going to, we want to maintain what we got with, we're not going to start over with some young unknown singer. Right. You know, we're not going to go back to the drawing board that way. 
we're going to try and build on this. And so, yeah, that means doing synth heavy songs. It means, you know, doing the videos and it means, you know, make sure you have singles on, on, on every album. So I, I agree with you. Like as soon as they were going in that direction, I'm sure a lot of Van Halen fans were like, I'm out, I'm out. But you know who wasn't out? And I have to say this again, um, my old roommate from college, Ross Pino. Ross had every Van Halen and every Van Hagar album. He was a fan of both. Now, when Diamond Dave came on the stage at the 1996 MTV Video Music Awards for the first time with the Van Halen brothers in years, I think Ross had tears in his eyes. But, <laughs> but no, he had mad love and respect for uh, Hagar too. So yeah, I mean, I just... I hear what you're saying. It's like if they're going to bring in Van Hagar, if they're going to bring Sammy Hagar, you know they're they're just there's not they're not going backwards. I mean they're they're going forward. Well, they're going in a different direction. You know, it, it, I think it depends yes. whether or not they went backwards or forwards. Uh, you know, I guess what I mean by that is like yeah, they're they're not going to start all over again. They're just they're going to build. They want to do the arenas. They want to do yeah. They want to have the hits. Um, and so if they want to have the hits, you know, Sammy's going to be your guy. Um, Sam so. is your guy. Sam is your guy yeah. for that, right? Like Sam, and, and you know, Sammy's gonna, Sammy's gonna deliver. You know, he's gonna finish. What, he really is. Like he's gonna do, gonna do what works. And and people didn't like it. They didn't. I don't. I think is. I have no idea how much Eddie and Alex cared about at a certain point. I, I don't know if they cared anymore. I, I don't know if they would appease their fan base. I just don't know. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know either. And it is, it's fascinating to think that when they first toured with Sammy, they didn't go back to the Diamond Dave catalog. I mean, it was like heavy on 5150. I'm sure mm-hmm. they did. I can't drive 55. They probably did a Montrose song or two. Maybe they did jump in, in Panama, but it's not like they were going back to uh, Unchained or Run with the Devil. They weren't. No, that's kind of that is weren't. something that we should like just touch on briefly. Like that's insane that they had it built up this catalog of this fan base. And so, Jumped hey guys, not not only are we going to bring in you know a new singer, we're not going to play those songs anymore. And I just, <laughs> what? And it's well, even more striking that they were successful, but I they think, brought in a whole new fan base too. Oh, so. Here, let's talk about this. So Van Halen Live right here, right now, which I've got to assume, and I would love it if you could actually dig this up. I've got to assume is, you know, it, it's the post, uh, you know, for unlawful carnal knowledge tour, right? So it comes out in 1993. It's got 24 songs on it. I'm just looking at the, the track listing and just knowing what I know, like, you know, the, the way that this is laid out, the first four songs are Van Hagar songs, right? Then they do Ain't Talk About Love. So that's one VH, one classic yeah. VH. Then the next classic VH I see is Panama. Then the, ne- the next classic VH is Jump. Yeah. So yeah. if this is a live capsule from post, from a 1992, 1992, 1993 tour, they did three songs that would have catered to anything from 1984 and earlier, and the other 21, which include a Who cover, a Who cover, like, like, what, like, yeah, that's I insane. Mean, oh like, my gosh, yeah. Like, well, how pissed would you be if you went to see Van Halen in 1993 
and you get a who cover where you're leaving all of what leaving all of the history just like nope let's leave it in the trash let's let david lee roth do it on his own it's talk about it it's it's weird because i i just said that like you know they didn't want to start from scratch with Sammy hagar but in some ways, they also kind of did. I mean, like they 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 used the platform success that they had achieved with 1984, but then they scrapped everything before that, and were like, "Now, what you're going to hear is you know Van Hagar songs." Um, it's extraordinary that they did that. Extraordinary that they were successful, but they think they did bring in an entire uh, different generation of fans. You had some, you know, like Ross, that you know stayed true. Uh, through that era, but, you know, through NTV and through their videos um, and their ballads, they just, they brought an entirely different fan base in, in a lot of ways. And so it's extraordinary that they could pull that off. Now, I, I would have to look at the set list from those later tours, but if that's yeah. of, for unlawful carnal knowledge, and they're still only doing three songs. Three, three songs. Oh, but man. That's anyway, unless you, want to count, unless you want to count a mashup of You Really Got Me and Cabo Wabo. Uh, <laughs> so maybe three and a half. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let me get to my pick. Because yeah. if I don't, we never will get there. Um, this is really hard for me. Uh, I guess I've kind of signaled that I'm going to pick something from uh, the 1991 album. No absolutely the best of the Van Hager catalog from, uh, you know, for unlawful Connor knowledge. Um, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go with, but I'm going to try to go with the one that I think most, most exemplifies the band. Okay. I'm not going to pick one of my two favorites. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go with one that exemplifies the Van Hagar sound. So we'll start with, I think is my favorite track picking, uh, which is Run Around. It's a great rhythm track. I highly recommend you listen to it. I, it, it, I think I think it opens real strong. I think it's got some really good Van Halen, you know, hi hat moments with the with the drums. I think mm-hmm. you know, it, I think it's absolutely terrific. It's easily you know, all three of these I could have picked, but I'm, I'm not taking Run Around. Even though I remember the video really well, like it, it it's it's a great song and I going to be on the on the companion playlist but it, it's not the pick the second one that's not the pick <laughs> the second one that's not the pick uh is uh top of the world um which you know if you want to know how they closed their set on the uh, that last year of 1993 it was with top of the world i do know actually from remembering somewhere in the recesses of my brain that top of the world was a leftover track David Lee Roth had recorded a demo of with them, I think from the 1984 and it somehow didn't make it. And it wound up stuck on the end of this. It was single. Um, I think it's a very interesting way for them to finish this record it is yeah. the most diamond Dave sounding, which makes sense given when they got it. Like it, it, it could be, it, it's, it's probably, the song I can hear it. Yeah, I can hear it. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the song that's most non Higgery that was your era um you know and 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 actually that's the reason that i'm not picking it not because i don't think it might be a better by like a lot in a way than the one i'm taking but i don't think it's uh representative of different the band got 
with Sammy. So, um, but I love Top of the World, and I think it's, it's wonderful, and I think Sammy does a great job with it, and I, and, and I would have loved to have seen it uh, concert like 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 that one. That one is really yeah. really great. I'm not really doing telling why I didn't take it, but I <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, so this is a little bit more of a deep cut. Uh, I'm going to go with the first song off the record, Pound Cake. Yes! Uh, yes! It's, it's, you know, yes! There's, that weird, there's this weird drill that they use in the video, and like at the beginning, um, it sets the tone for the record. It's a little dirty, It's a, but it's very much hard rock. Drives. It's got like Hager doing this ow, 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 thing oh, like yeah. in it, like um, you know, like like pound, pound kick is some box stuff, and and I feel like a lot of these other tracks on, on fifty one fifty and OU eight one two that we haven't really gotten to, like they share a lot of DNA with pound kick, and I feel like pound kick is kind of like the pinnacle of that sound that they were kind of going for, like it's the best one that that is emblematic of what a Van Hagen song would sound like if it's a ballad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, there's some best of both worlds in Pound Cake, I think. Um, you mm-hmm. know, again, like, I'm not, I'm not actually suggesting that Pound Cake is, like, the best, the best of these songs that, like, I had a, I do love it. I mean, like, just for shits and giggles, I mean, I do love it. I think it's great. But, like, I think you've got to be in this mood you know like, like yeah i want to listen to some like early 90s hard rock you know like it just it just says that and it also says this album is pre-grunge um and i think too because th- like it is a pre-grunge record you know it comes out in 1991 but it predated nirvana uh and i think it and one of those few records that came out before nirvana pearl jam you know, you know, earthquake and stuck around and they, and I think they earned a lot of cred, you know, in the same way that guns and roses got, uh, you know, milked usually for quite a while. Like there was that like carryover for a couple of bands that had, that had banked a lot of points uh, in the, the video era of hard rock and hair metal, quite honestly. Yeah. Even though I don't think, I don't think Halen, I will say this about Van Hager. I never felt like Van Hager was a hair metal band. I never thought they, that no. they, I don't think that they did that. I don't, you know, like they, they were, they were their own thing. Um, you know, and, you know, for better or for worse, I never, you know, they're not like Poison. They're not like later Jovi. They're not like, you know, hysteria or slang Def Leppard, right? Or not, not slang. Sorry, slang's 93. What is the number one? Uh, adrenalizing. It's not, it's not that era of Def Leppard, right? But like, they kept, they kept that success. They, they, they banked a lot of points. They put out great videos from this record. Obviously, the Right Now video, like, you know, just was nuts. So, um, and Top of the World was, I think, a very successful video. I mean, like, they had, I mean, really, the the, the singles from this record were Pound Cake, Run Around, um, you know, Right Now, Top of the World. I mean, yeah, no, you know, I even like Man it's... on the So, you know, like, it's, you know. Anyway, my pick's Pound Cake. I'm so glad you picked that. That would have been my third song. And nice. I was, str- I did, well, there was a moment today where I was kind of going back and forth between 
when it's love and pound cake i'm like no nah, i gotta do a ballad but pound cake was the one and getting ready for this podcast and yeah it's the first song off of that album and i was just like holy crap that's heavy and that rocks and there's Tone just standard. something to, there's there's something to that she's yeah what is it like she's home grown down home. i just love that yes that's the woman yeah <laughs> and so it is the you know pre-grunge and before all that dropped um and it's the it's one of their rockers for sure uh but yeah that set such a massive tone and i think you hit the nail on the head like this is what ben hagar sounds without the synths without the heavy synths i mean they bring in a fucking power drill excuse me um on that it's so and over the top it's just so over the top and i love their video from they did that out of vmas um yeah sammy didn't quite know how to dress it in that era so go look up that video on youtube <laughs> he's struggling just a little bit michael anthony kind of i feel was, like you look like whoopi goldberg a little bit <laughs> it's just like but you know they 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 knock pound cake out there eddie has the drill um i love that song and that's one that out of all this like i kept coming back to I'm like God, i forgot how much you know that i thought i would listen to pound cake again and honestly i thought oh right that was one of their more cliched you know songs of that era but i'm like ah, no it's, it's heavy it's a rocker um and god that chorus is just it's everything with the lyric um so that's an awesome choice it would have been my third pick if i had had a nice pick, so. well i mean it's just again it's indicative of the sound that they were going for and 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 they reached and you know and i think it's fair to say it's like not as you know like van hagar like their hits were mostly the ballads mostly or epic right now you know with the yeah. keyboard thing um you know and you know overdone you know i mean like i i never need to hear the song again uh it's always on a montage um but yeah, I mean, like, you know, Pound Cake is a lot of this era. Um, is a lot of this era. Now, I want to get a segue into what happens between 1991 and 1995, um, causing to be breakup and leaving of Sammy from the band. Um, yeah. You know, you know, as this is an oral history of the band from a fan's perspective, I didn't know until just like casually looking up on Wikipedia so that you don't have to, anyone else is listening, um, that the big break when Van Hagar is recording a song for the soundtrack to Twister, the movie Twister, and Hagar leaves on like Father's Day um, while his second, like his second child, it's, no, or his child was being born. and the baby Yeah, yeah his child was being born, yeah. And, 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 and so he, there was this huge fight because, um, Eddie didn't like the lyrics and, you know, it's just a, like a huge mess. And it like was the straw that broke the camel's back and the band is, you know, like, and, and, and then you know, causing this, you know, to be all over. And I mean, think about when Twister came out, you know, after balance had already come out. So they've already kind of popped record. So there's a lot of tensions because of that. And Eve. And and this is where I want to correct me, but I believe that Balance was still them trying to be Van in a post in a, in a post grunge universe where this sound was 
effectively dead. I think there, I, there's some truth to that, uh, for sure. I mean, I, I do think it's worth pointing out that it was still a number one album, you know, and so it's not like they didn't have success with it. I think it was a platinum record. I think the first one that didn't go platinum was the Sharon record. Um, you know, so they, they, they still had, yeah, they still had, you know, the, the ability to put out an album and, and sell. And, you know, Can't Stop Loving You was a, a mild hit. Um, you know, emphasis on the ballad. Clearly, as I said, I mean, that's their most, I know, I, I, got, I got your take on that. Yeah, look, yeah, it is that's... the most radio-friendly, poppy, AOR, you know, just give me your standard run-of-the-mill um, ballad um, and we'll put it out there and we'll, we'll have a hit. It is something that I hadn't really I can't believe the on. number, I gotta say, I can't believe the plays Can't Stop Loving You has on Spotify. Well, it's 62 it's, it's, million plays. That's yeah. Nuts. I mean, look, I mean, it's it's been played at weddings, I'm sure. And, you know, uh, since then. Um, but I think you hit on something that is true that, you know, after 91, um, as much as they, they only had one more album left in them. And and so I think in response to that era with the birth of the, the alternative rock scene, um, I think they I think they probably struggled to you know, identify what sound they want to u- utilize for, for balance. And, you know, they released the, the most ballady of, of ballads. Um, but it was in an era where, yeah, those 91 songs weren't going to match up anymore in 1995. And, and that must have led to some of the tension, you know, in the band of just trying to like, okay, what's our place now um, in this era? And, and ultimately, like, what they should have done at that time is said, Sammy, you know, thanks for, you know, the four records. We're going to bring back Diamond Dave full time. And they, they tried to, and it, it failed, and it led to Sharon era Van Halen. Mm-hmm. But much as Kiss put on the makeup in, in 96, that's when Van Halen really should have brought back Diamond Dave and just gone out and said, you know what, we've been holding these songs back for, for 12 years. We're, we're bringing them back. And that came, you know, uh, like, 10 years later, but without Michael Anthony on bass, of course, as we famously noted on the original pod. Um, so I think you really hit the nail on the head. Like they were just trying to keep up in this new landscape and, you know, ultimately couldn't. And that must have played a role in, um, you know, the band ultimately falling apart. It must have. I mean, at the point where they went to Gary Sharon, like it's almost the thought that they could jack just anytime right. they wanted. Right. And, and, right. and really, you know, Eddie should have followed his original instincts and gone completely different and gone with, you know, I don't know, the lead singer from the Cranberries. If he was looking, if he was talking to Patty Smythe, like, go that direction or like, you know, or go back to Daryl Hall. Like, Daryl Hall wasn't doing shit in 1906. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, you know, apparently he'll ask anybody out. So he could have just done, done something left field and it might have, it might have worked better. You know, like, what was Terrence Trent Darby up to? Like, there could have been somebody. Um, Anyway, uh, that's probably the worst idea I've ever had is Terrence Trent Darby. I I thought about it, but yeah, you made me think about it. That's a weird, weird, I mean, you know, if you're going to ask you, like, you know, I mean, who's the weirdest person that you'd be doing? Who's the the worst pick? Like, what, like Paul Anka? Who's, like, the worst pick to front uh, any of the guys from Air Supply, I suppose, maybe, but um, yeah, man, no, I don't know. Harmonize. Yeah, there you go. 
the ballads would have sounded beautiful. I don't like, I, I still made like, and I can understand them at that time feeling like, hey, we're still, what was it like 1995, 96? So, you know, they've, oh, we're, we're still young. You know, we, we could still, we can still do this again. We could do you know? this. We don't have to do the greatest hits tour when they should have done the greatest hits tour with David Lee Roth back in, in Fold. And in 1996, I think it would have been spectacular, you know, because they'd had been holding on to those songs for so long and holding them back. Uh, you know, and then they would have done the inevitable inevitable reunion with Hagar too. Um, and I know that what Wolfgang Van Halen has said is like towards the end, they were talking about like the kitchen sink tour where they would have brought on Sammy to do Sammy songs, then David to do Diamond Dave songs and even bringing Gary Sharon from time to time, you know, do a song or two. That would have um, been nuts. That but so that would have been just bonkers. Um, and it's a shame, you know, I, it's, yeah, it's just a shame. Dude, what happened? Kind of truth in 2012. Who was who was singing lead there? That, that was David Lee Roth. Yeah, so that, they did that yeah. with Wolfgang on bass and Diamond Dave on vocals. And to be fair, I just I don't know. I haven't touched on that. I've skimmed through it. I mean, at that point, I was like, it's just it's it's not time, you know. For mm-hmm. and I'm one that it, I try to be fair to like bands putting out late albums. I love it when bands do so, but that one just felt like we've been holding on these songs for so long and now we're going to put one out. I don't know. There's just something about the timing of that record that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, that it was just, you know, what Eddie had been storing around for years and okay, Dave now come in and, and do the vocals on them rather than, you know, them getting into a room again and organically mm-hmm. you know, creating yeah. an album from scratch. So yeah. I, I just haven't touched on it that much. And so I can't really speak to it. Um, the Klosterman puts, you know, most of those songs ahead of Why Can't This Be Love, of course. So that's 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 pretty that's pretty tough. Uh I was what I didn't know is that the last Van Halen album that is on Spotify is something called Tokyo Dome in Concert, which looks like yeah. the twenty thirteen Roth coming back. That's right. Tour. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah. I will say this, you know, um uh, you know, in a pandemic it, it, when you can't see concerts, although you and I actually did go to one, which is really that was a great show. Uh, yeah. We went to see Future Islands at the Anthem, and that was uh, fantastic. But like, it was just great to see bands indoors again forever. But like, you know, yeah. if you, but at least there is. I mean, I will say this: at least there is pressed somewhere. Uh, David Lee Roth and the rest of the with this set from June twenty first of twenty thirteen, which is. A companion piece to the one we just described, the 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 right here right record or whatever the hell it's called from 1993, because that's all Hagar and this is all old Van Halen. So it's not like they never did it again, right? Right. Hero Van Hagar songs on a concert. It's all the stuff from original VH. Yeah, which makes sense because I mean that's why you got David Lee Roth. But like, so like if you wanted to, if you wanted to have an entire live experience that could take four hours of your day you could listen to each each live record one with david lee roth and one with sammy hager again uh and get a, a massive live experience it's that would be in, incredible and that's probably what like they're and it, we should also point out that diamond dave and sammy when they both were on the outs from the van halen brothers did a, a brief much maligned tour together. Oh, I, I don't think I don't think they finished. You know, I don't think they 
hardly they never interacted you know during the tour um, so but i love the fact that they they did that at, you know at one point and then they did a press conference and sammy goes to dave like dave we've been on tour for weeks now i've never seen you before what's going on <laughs> if they oh. did it then they missed an opportunity there but uh no i just <laughs> i thought that was so yeah they you know they tried to replicate that um it is just just it is funny because i think wolfgang has said that when he was putting together a set list of you know the songs they wanted to do with dave um you know he puts out the set list and and this is when they were just rehearsing before they made any plans to actually tour. But, you know, he, he accidentally included a, a Hagar out, a song on the, the list. And Damon and Dave was like, what's this? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, I'll take that off. Um, but yeah, it was like they, you know, if you, David, if you were, I, when I saw Van Halen, uh, let's see, twice with Wolfgang on bass. Um, yeah, I don't think they played a single Van Hagar song. Um and it's, it's so, extraordinary to think about that. This, you, mentioned, you mentioned a band uh, that I have never heard of. It's what? You're saying Sammy Hagar have been toured together under what moniker? The Circle. And I think it's, I don't know if it's like Sammy Hagar is the Circle or if it's just the Circle. Um, but yeah, they, they do they do a lot they of, must, uh, well, they, they solo stuff. But, songs, yeah. right? they oh, yeah, no, do. for sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they do. Okay, yeah. I'm going to make this commitment right now. If they play locally, and I assume it would be at the casino that's near here, I will go see Sammy Hagar's The Circle with you. Awesome. I will do that. I will make awesome. that commitment. And, and and we will take a picture and we will post it on our Instagram of us seeing Sammy band that features Michael Anthony. Yeah. I, 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 I think I want to see, like, I think there's some. They might have some, you know, shows coming up. I have to say that like, I saw my first uh, concert at the MGM uh, theater. Um, oh, yeah. And That's right. I just, I have to share that I'm so grateful that um, um, the casino wasn't open in my 20s or when I was in grad school. Otherwise, I would have lost all my money. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no, for sure. I feel like they are coming to the, t so yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes open for that. Um, yeah, they played at ACL. Looks like um, they played yeah, at ACL like, recently, like like yeah. the last couple of weeks. Oh, I didn't think. I'd have uh, or no, coming up. No, in, right now. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in December. They're gonna play in December. So here, um, they're playing here in December. No, no, in Austin. In Austin. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Jesus, man, I I don't have to cash this bet that fast. I figured I have a few months. <laughs> So yeah, I'll they do, do tour as Sammy Hagar and the Circle. So that's the the moniker, Sammy it, Hagar and the Circle. Yeah. Uh, say uh, no, Anthony, no Circle. Uh, I'll just there. You, just there you go. Put that out there. That's I think that's fact. what I'm, we got. That's where we got to end the pod. That's it. No Anthony, I'm, I'm, no Circle. I'm putting my foot down for that. <laughs> All right, awesome, I'm, I'm Sherman. I'm Ski. And neither of us are in Van Halen, but we could be. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, we talked you into it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.